I'm going to welcome Celeste Johnson of the Applied Companies, who's a member of our board of directors and chair of our state government affairs committee. At a key meeting that she missed, she was named chair of that committee. So, <laughs> no, she actually wanted the assignment, which is really terrific. Uh, so, Celeste, thanks for being with us today. And uh, yeah, thanks for being part of the podcast. So, um, yeah, the topic today is you. So, I had no idea that you started in the casino industry. I know it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, you tell me about that. So you started. So you were at you, you, uh, you, you Nevada Reno, right? Mm-hmm. And then you got a job. And so what? Yeah. So tell me about that. Yeah. Well, I, I maybe followed a, a little less traditional path in that. Um, yeah, so originally, farm girl from Iowa, actually. Um, and oh, wait, wait. So I, I don't, actually don't know the answer to this question. How did you okay. get from Iowa to Nevada? Okay. Yeah. Um, so farm girl from Iowa and my dad, who was a grain farmer, uh, is that's seasonal work, essentially. Yeah. And he loved to travel. So, uh, you know, in the winters, um, we, we didn't have livestock on our farm. So, you know, business was kind of closed for the winter and he would travel, always loved Lake Tahoe. Uh, and so making a very long story short, um, over time, I guess I have three older brothers. We, we all kind of sort of migrated out West. And then ultimately that's how I landed in Reno was was I started college in Iowa at a small little private school called Central College and then ended up transferring out um, to UNR. Career kind of paralleled with college in a way where I I didn't traditionally go to college full time and then go start a career. Part of it was I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So, and, you know, very supportive parents and just take classes and kind of do a little bit of this and do a little bit of that. And I did... And classes weren't really adding up to a degree because sometimes they were in psychology, sometimes they were in business. Uh, And so uh, ultimately a summer job, what happened is I, I was I was on break from school for the summer and went and applied in back in those days, it was called a personnel office. <laughs> so uh, I got hired and started working in personnel uh, for a oh. casino. It was called the Riverboat in uh, Reno. It's now long since closed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, I actually, I thought it was really fun. Mm-hmm. On my first day, I asked an applicant how old they were. And got in trouble because you can't do that. So that's how green I was. I had no idea. And they put me um, they put me right on the desk at the the window to to take applications. Wow. Uh, so then, you know, slowly over time, I learned what you can and can't ask uh, in HR. and um and I just just really loved it. it no no two days were the same. Um, I, I like the diversity of people, probably still pretty naive, um, you know, to the ways of the world. Again, I, I mean, I came from a community of eight hundred people. Yeah. We all kind of looked the same. Uh, We all grew up the same. And then I ended up in in this role that was a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week operation with all positions, Um, you know? So anyway, it it was just, it it was, 
It was yeah. fun. I was going to say, what, so what, yeah, what's what's it like in the casino industry? You got all yeah. takers, right? You've got like the the mm-hmm. entry level. You got presumably so you have some pretty smart people handling the finances and stuff like that. So completely, what's it yeah. like in that space? Yeah, really interesting. I mean, so there's some of these roles too that, you know, I don't even know if they still exist anymore, but there were these roles that we would recruit for called hard count and soft count. And that actually meant you either counted bills, paper bills, or you counted coins. (laughs) Um, And that, you know, they were graveyard jobs that would sit in a little room in a basement somewhere and count the money every day. Wow. And so I, again, I needed, okay, so we're recruiting for a hard count. What is that? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. My my Uh, nephew works for armored car company. I don't know if you experienced this too, but you get to a point where you're around millions and millions of dollars of cash and it doesn't mean anything to you. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Isn't that interesting? Um, you know, we had a panic button at the, the window that I worked at too. Um, and (laughs) I actually used it a couple of times. I mean, there were there were two guys that had been fired and they got in a fight in the lobby to get their final check. And um, I mean, I don't know how graphic I should get. There was a guy that we didn't hire and he spit on the window. Um, there was another one that um, peed on the door as he was leaving. I mean, my God. <laughs> well, it prepared you for life. Right. right? So it was, yeah. I actually refer to it now as combat HR because <laughs> it was so frontline. Um, and then, you know, over time, uh, there's so much opportunity to, yeah. you start to get more involved in the insurance side of the business and talking to the brokers and the work comp side. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely, uh, advanced enough in my career that I got away from that window. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was my start. Wow. I, yeah. I had no idea. And I just saw it, uh, you know, in the article that Chris is writing. So uh, yes, you, you will be the cover star of our March 23 edition of the insider, which is, which is great. Um, and so I saw it in there. I, I had no idea. You know, you think, you know, a guy, right. I had right. No idea. Okay. So, uh, how'd you get to the applied company? So Jim Annis was running the applied company. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so, you know, kind of fast forward. I had a lot, a lot of life in those years too. Um, <laughs> got married young, got divorced young, had a child in there, got my degree. Um, that was, you know, I, 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 it became clear to me that that was important. And so then as I was sort of at that stage in life, I did leave working in the casino along the way. And I worked for a short time for the state and actually for the university too, which which was really good for me as a single mom during those years. I could have my child on campus while I went to class. Daycare was all right there. Um, but then I started looking around and going, okay, it's time to get back out into the private sector. I I actually enjoyed that much more. Um, higher ed was way too bureaucratic for me. It did not move fast enough. Yeah. And through a networking event, um, met Jim. Mm-hmm. And he he told me, he goes, you know, I started this PEO. I didn't even know how to spell PEO. Right? I had no idea. Yeah. Um, and by this time, it was, I guess it was probably about 2003. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, um, and he said, yeah, I started this PEO. Well, he started a staffing company also. I knew what that was. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but you know, we part of our service is HR, and I don't have an HR person. <laughs> so uh the interview with Jim was hilarious. It was really um 45 minutes of Jim selling the company to me and talking about the company. I don't know if I said more than two words. And I left thinking, I think I have the job. I mean, he talked to me like I was hired. <laughs> and that's how this PEO thing began. And wow. he was very much a mentor to me. Um, he was a lot of, we had a lot of fun. And how many and, employees did you did you have? Oh my gosh. I think I was employee number four. Wow. So there were, no, five maybe. There were two people running the staffing department at that time. There was a recruiter, and then there was a person running payroll for the probably five PEO clients he had at the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we were using a product to do... I don't know if you remember Prism at the time was called Scorpio. Wow. Um, with a PEO, Scorpio. Oh, uh, and then it And then it morphed into HR Pyramid. And so we were right there at the beginning with... with you know, we all in the industry yeah. know that that partner. Um, and then I remember saying to him, you know, uh, I need like a file cabinet or something to 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 keep these handbooks separate for these clients. <laughs> I I need a way to organize this. So, so this so, is just, uh, this I mean, just that's basic, how basic, that's how startup basic. it was. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It was. You know, I did have a desk, but short of that, it was. <laughs> It was the beginning, um, but it it was it was a lot of fun. Jim was the ultimate um, business sales guy, and then uh, he really gave me the complete freedom to to just develop an HR department for our clients. It's unbelievable. So, yeah. so you were there. So that was like two thousand three, two thousand four. You started yep. there, two thousand four, and worked your way up. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So take me through that. So like you were there for like I don't know, 14 years or something like that. And then does he decide to sell it or you decide to buy it or, or what happened? I mean, to me, yeah. that's the amazing story here is that like, you know, you had to get a file cabinet and right. now you own the company. So <laughs> fill in the blanks. Right. I asked him, asked him if I, we could purchase a file cabinet. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, Jim kept getting business, uh, and and then you know we we kind of teamed up on that because also as we all know in the industry too, uh, twenty years ago at least in this state, some states are a little different. It was all about educating the marketplace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of education um, and growing the business and staffing was growing too. By the way. And I, I, Jim always reflects back on this conversation because at one point he had asked me about two years in, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to, I want to do what you do. I want to own the place. Wow. And that's, that's, that's pretty gutsy. Type, that's pretty yeah, gutsy. I guess so. Yeah. Um, and he was the type of person that was never um, uh, like that. Didn't, that didn't worry him in any way. he, uh, he appreciated that conversation, and I think he, um, I think he enjoyed that. That I wanted to start thinking like a business owner and be involved in the kind of crummy stuff that goes on behind the scenes that's outside of the scope of your work. So, um, you know, it, it some of the the big lessons learned is, for example, 
we had this master health plan. From a cash flow perspective, you don't pay that big premium before you collect the dollars from <laughs> the clients. Uh, so, okay, I had to, it, it was those kind of in real time lessons of like, oh, you call the carrier and you negotiate a 45 day term. Uh, so you can collect all the premiums from your clients before you're out hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know? So I got to start to be a part of that decision-making. And then I also knew, I guess there somewhere in my mind, there was, Probably a level of insecurity in terms of, okay, I've I've got this HR background and I have an undergrad degree, but I, I don't feel like I've got enough. And so then I decided to uh to get my MBA. And by that time, and so that but was this, I think I started applying for that in 2012. So you're working, you're working full time at this yes. point. I'm working full time. How many kids? Um, I by that time I had been remarried, so I um, was with Travis, yeah. who has two kids. I had one, so three kids, blended family, um, and I negotiated with Jim that he pay for the degree. Nice, <laughs> nice. So, uh, so um, TAC paid for me to go to grad school, and I did um, a two year MBA program through UNR. And it it did prepare me to buy the company. Mm-hmm. Um, there was enough in that program. Was it all transferable? Of course not. I mean, we know how college works. <laughs> but as Jim started to approach an exit strategy, and he talked about retirement for a couple of years and started phasing out. And so he did it very gradually mm-hmm. um, and had a silent partner also that... Um, that was involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really glad I I went through that. Um, as hard as it was on the family yeah. and on me, I'm glad. Um, it was it was heavily focused in financials and and that that grit I learned of going through um, how to read the financial statements really more from a foundational perspective, not from just an operational perspective. Yep was helpful because the process of buying the company um what I, it, it was it was tough. I mean, I'm I'm still tra- triggered a little bit when the bank uh <laughs> wants anything from me because for a year and a half, I mean, it was just ask for everything that we've ever touched in our lives at least five times over. Um but and let me back up too because we also did Jim did entertain uh, some private equity uh, opportunities from people in the industry. And ultimately, um, it came down to the the both of us figuring out um, what enough is. Jim mm-hmm. knew what his number was. And he also cared a lot about the staff. And not that, that private equity situations aren't great. Mm-hmm. For us, it was keeping a continuity, keeping the name in the community, um, keeping the same employees, the clients. Uh, So for all of them, all of the outside between the two of us, it was, um, there was, it it was a very consistent transition. And once it was done too, with, in a, um, because we did an S, SBA and we is my husband and I own the company. We have two minority shareholders. 
Um, so we had a little bit of a team. For us, once it was done, uh, the SBA leaves you alone. You you don't you don't have to make a certain profitability margin. Um, of course, we always want to grow and be profitable, mm-hmm. but we don't have to make decisions by that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that feels really good. Yeah. yeah. I like that on on the backside. Once yeah, yeah. We got, so it would have been easier probably at the time because the money would have just come and we could close the deal. But on the back end, um, if if we internally want to make a values based decision mm-hmm. uh, around a client where they're going to take or not take, uh, or we want to make a decision um, uh, about an internal person, we have full autonomy to do that. Yeah, yeah. So it feels it it feels really good. Yeah, it's it's all yours. It's yeah. all yours, right? Yeah. So, what was that time frame? Less like from from yeah. okay, Jim's like okay, I'm I'm going to sell the company, and you get in, you got private equity money, and you're getting the SBA loan and stuff like that. Was that years or months or how almost long, it was it from the time the process kind of started to actually closing was almost two years. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and 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 when I mean kind of started, meaning. Um, Jim worked with his partner to the partner didn't want to uh, retire when Jim did. So there was some alignment work between the two of them first. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, and then that's when we talked to some private equity firms in the industry. And then the actual pacing of the SBA loan took almost a year and a half. Wow. Yeah. It's unbelievable. At the time. We were the biggest um, SBA loan that that bank had done in Nevada. Wow. And so uh, they were, um, and a, a minority uh, owned yeah. loan too. So yeah. I think they were very proud of getting it done too, but it was, they had done a lot of stuff with manufacturing. We're heavy in manufacturing in this part of the region. Um, and so that's that's a little different. There's a building tied to it. There's trucks, there's equipment. Yeah. You know this industry. It's uh, it's contracts with other businesses. That's our value base, you know. So it's a service. It's it was um, it was new to all of us. So we between the bank and us, we were this this team of newbies. Yeah. (laughs) So you use this word, which I'm very fond of, right? And you know about uh, well, yeah. You know about you actually talked to Maggie on the phone uh, a week or two ago (laughs) when she was taking on snow. You and Travis saved her. Uh, Grit. Talk to me about grit. When I think about you, I think about grit. So talk to me about grit. I I actually take that as a compliment. I that's that's really cool. it's uh it's hard. I don't there were so many times I think in that process going what why are why are we doing this? Because also, you know, it it took a lot of capital. So even though you get a loan, as you know, it's not for the full amount. Um my husband, you know, Pat, my husband works up at the lake. So so we run two households. We put both houses, both houses are tied to this. Um we uh you know, we we used funds from our retirement. <laughs> we came in with a lot of cash. Um, that that will make somebody not sleep real well at night. So that just means you keep you keep doing you keep looking down the road. 
you keep adapting to the market and uh, the the things that impact the market. Um, certainly stay close. I I am not a, a, an arm's length CEO. I am in it every day and I dip down right down to, um, you know, did we shovel off the front doorstep this morning so <laughs> somebody doesn't slip and fall? Uh, so I'm very much in the business, very close to the people that work here. We we pretty much all work out of the same office. We do have one remote um, in another state, but very close to the work. Um, uh, and it's not easy. I was um, actually texting with, you, you'll know every one of these, um, a group of women in the industry that own PEOs. Uh, Lee was one of them. And... Um, just they're they're like my therapy group, you know. Yeah. Just uh, nothing specific, but it's just hard. Business is hard right now. Employees are are burned out. Um, there's a post COVID psychology that's happening in the workplace. Yeah. It's it's a different time. I mean, um, well, talk and, talk about that. So what's yeah? Because I mean, everybody feels it, right? We feel it too. But you're you know you're at a, sure do. you're on you know the front lines with your company, your, you know, direct employee, internal employees, and with your worksite employees. So mm-hmm. what's, yeah, what what's happening? Is, yeah, what's happening? It's, um, you know, Tara Conjure and I talked about this at the, the annual conference in one of the breakouts a little bit. Um, and since that time, there are a lot of data-driven studies coming out on this burnout. So COVID was such an extended period of prolonged uncertainty. Mm-hmm. We all just continued to live without no, I mean, it went on for, I mean, it was shutdown after shutdown after yeah, shutdown. Yeah. Yeah. So we're surviving. Um, we all kept our jobs for the most part. The industry did well. Mm-hmm. But we just didn't know when is it going to end. And that prolonged uncertainty is is now flowing through to some psychological impact. Yeah. Uh, and I am seeing more and more data-driven reports of it and this this burnout. So the the and how it's it's showing itself are the the very same employees that three, four years ago were in the same job. We had um, pretty much the same processes, the same platform, the same clients were thriving, are now in a constant state of overwhelm. I'm yeah. overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. So that tells me it's it's bigger than just the job um, because the job hasn't changed that much. Yeah. So so something's going on and it's it's hard on folks right now. We were internally, we we're talking a little bit about the generations in the workplace too. Um, we've been through, you and I have been through some workplace mm-hmm. hard times. Mm-hmm. Um, 07 and 08, the economy was oh, in yeah. Yeah. the crapper. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've had harder time, you know, 9 11, and then, you know, the, the different economic events. The millennials, many of which are here in this office, um, and they're, you know, almost 40 now, but have been working. Uh, they they haven't, they've pretty much been on an economic yeah. incline since they started in the workforce. Yeah. yeah. This COVID was kind of the first, oh crap, this yeah. this stinks. Um yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You know, there's lots of there's lots of yeah. little pieces. Maybe it's a confluence of a lot of factors. Yeah. Uh, 
But you know, the, other uh, thing, the other thing I find, and I, I talk about this a lot, is because because we we experienced it at, at Napio, is that so for you guys, TAC, the applied companies. Mm-hmm. TAC, so yeah. what you used to have hours, you know, let's just say nine to five, right? And there's right. an occasional glitch and you'd have to go and figure out payroll or whatever it's going to be. But done. So with COVID, that went out the window. And everybody knows I can call Celeste at 2 a.m. and she's there. And the tax <laughs> payroll people are there at 4 a.m. on Sunday morning because we needed this. And we really needed advice on an employee who wanted to work from home or all our employees who work from home. How do we do that? And we called them Friday night at 11 p.m. And they were there. They were there. They were there. So you can't go back from that. Right. You see what I mean? So you didn't charge more for that. And that was us. That was our life. Right. And CEOs all of a sudden went from not really 40 hours a week, but let's just say 40 hours a week to 168 hours a week (laughs) on call. Right. And I'm sure you did. Right. Yeah. Oh, especially in the beginning there. That was that was wild. So do you like so how do you go back from that? Right. Yeah. Your clients expectations are. Well, I think. And yeah, no, I think you're on to something. I I don't I hope nobody's answering a call at 2 a.m. I really. (laughs) Uh, But but I think one of the, the where you're headed and this is this is very true for us that we are still navigating is hybrid. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there's many positives. We got better at this and Mm -hmm. doing Zoom. um, And I think that's fantastic. It certainly helped in terms of some business development and not, you know, driving for half an hour to meet with somebody to drive back. And um, it's opened opportunities in other locations. And um, you know, we added, we started really using teams. Mm-hmm. We didn't use teams really before we used, um, what is that thing? Oh, Slack. We use Slack yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. internally for some, you know, back and yeah. forth, but, or so, and there's the positive and the downside is, okay. So, um, we kept hybrid to your point of, you can't really go back. Hybrid works for yeah. a lot of yeah. folks and now they've got email flowing constantly. And now they've got team chats flowing constantly. Um, And then the team, the groups in the teams, and then uh, some of the documents live in teams and some live where they used to live. And I I have a couple of folks here that have now three monitors. So it's like mission control and it's just information coming. Do you have three monitors, Pat? No, I have one. Okay. (laughs) Okay, good. But it's like, it's just coming at folks all the time. And then this ramped up expectation of you put something in Teams chat, you're going to yeah. get a response. So oh, everyone is literally starting and stopping a thousand times. Well, and then we have these two. Oh, God. So yeah. information flows here. Yeah. 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 I know. It's, yeah. yeah. What's and I, interesting? I don't think we're real good at managing that yet. It's it's overload, right? It's just it's, it's overload. It's too much, right? And it's yeah, too it's all the too time. much. That's the thing. So, yeah. this, so here's the thing. This leads me to, to the next point, which is something I care a lot about, and I know you care a lot about, is culture. Right. So how do you maintain that culture? Right. And maybe they're there, maybe they're not there. That right. has a distinct had a distinct culture when the uh, when the mm-hmm. pandemic broke out, but now everybody just goes home. You know, um, and to your point, you know, you talk to them through your, you know, cell phone, through your, through the, through the computer, through Zoom, et cetera, whatever. 
So how do you maintain the culture through that? Right. And it's so on top of that too. Um, so I, I guess emphasizing the importance of maintaining the culture is the work, the, the market has been so competitive. And so I have to assume that every single person here is getting recruited mm. regularly. Mm-hmm. I think all of the things that probably many of us have talked about are very important. You know, um, maybe having some celebrations together, meals together, doing some fun things. I also think it's really important to capture uh, what people want out of their careers. What is their path? Mm. And document that and show them we actually have an internal document called path to success mm-hmm. that that is gives them an opportunity to put on pa- well paper yeah. um what they want out of their career and then we have to work towards getting them there and is it a certification maybe mm-hmm. um is it uh the ability to have a couple of days off here and there to volunteer absolutely uh so and that takes that's that takes some bandwidth internally from the yeah. management team yeah, yeah, yeah. constantly. Well, and then but, I think but what about, but what, what if, what if people say, uh, as some will in your company, mm-hmm. I want to be Celeste someday. I wish someone would say that <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm I want to so be waiting. Celeste. You're I who would, I want to be. <laughs> I would love it. Um, I've had one in the last five years even come close to saying something like that. Wow. So it's, I haven't really seen it as a common, I I, I don't know. I, I would love that. <laughs> Interesting. Cause I would think but, that to me, that's the, the crunch comes when you have folks say, you know, I, we want to work the next level up or where I want to be yes. the next yep. level up, but yep. you've got one job there and you got four people who say, I want to be the next level up. That's yeah. if you're IBM, easy. You just keep moving people and you got yeah. slots out yeah. the yang and it's great. But how do you address that in a small company? Because you must have people who kind of want the same thing, but you've sure. one slot, right? How do you absolutely and I and and that is that very culture is one of the reasons I stayed so long, is we do support um a culture of you have opportunity to make your job what you want to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you say, hey, I- I'm a payroll person, but I really want to be on all these sales calls and mm-hmm. kind of learn some business development, 100%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and our our um, environment is is very open. In mm-hmm. fact, actually, we're, we're moving offices here in two months that I'm very excited about because our layout here does not lend itself as mm. well to that. People sit in these little weird mm-hmm. corners mm-hmm. Um, and we're moving to an office that is way more open, open floor mm-hmm. plan. So I'm very excited about that. We actually have it as one of our cultural initiatives Oh, cool! Uh, is a new office. That's uh, great. Yeah. yeah. And it matters. It matters. So it, what's, it does. what is tax better mousetrap, right? You're out there selling yep. every day. Yeah. What is it? Yep. Um, our biggest differentiator is, in many ways, our our smallness. Mm-hmm. So um, we know who the national brands are. Uh, they're here in Reno too, and they have a product that they sell. And our product is competitive, and we are very, very relationship driven. Mm-hmm. So when we do a sales call, they see the very same people 
that they're going to continue to see that will also service their account. Mm-hmm. Um, we all work for the most part, a regional PEO. Uh, so if we're talking to a regional client, they know that we can stop by and see them in their office. They can come to our office. Uh, we don't have a phone tree. We give out our cell phone numbers to our clients. Um, many of them, we even sit on the baseball field with, or mm-hmm. we're Facebook friends with, or, you know, so it's a very relationship. Yeah. And at the sake of, of losing too many efficiencies, we highly customize our service delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I suppose at some point it, something might not make sense, but if somebody says to us, Hey, we're coming from an environment of we still do paper onboarding and it's just too big of a leap to go mm-hmm. to all electronic onboarding. No problem. We'll work with you over the course of the next year. You can take your time. We'll train people how to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's our, that's our, that's tax differentiator. So when I first got here, I, now this will at the risk of making all the national brands angry at me. Uh, when I first got here, that was sort of the conventional wisdom, you know, and the small and medium sized companies would say, we just can't compete, you know, against these, these large companies. And we did our first round of focus groups. I'll never forget it in Philadelphia. And, um, you know, a lot of people didn't know who a PEO was back then. And there's more today. But anyhow, so but it was so interesting because what they said is what you just said. They said, and, and in all the focus groups we've done since, they say, we want someone who knows me. Yeah. Right. We want someone who knows me. And we want somebody we run into the supermarket, see at the baseball games, at the bowling alley, at the Elks Club, or church, whatever. So <laughs> we want. We want people who know us. And, yeah. and it, it, it was just such a eureka moment for me sitting mm-hmm. in that room. And again, all the focus groups since how much of a premium uh, mm-hmm. put on that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There, you know, there there are transactional relationships yeah. and then there are much more intimate relationships. And, it you know, it depends a little bit on the client. Yeah. Um, but if it is especially the business owner led company that that more intimate relationship tends to uh rate a little higher on the priority um than than just transactional yeah 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 we still have to stay up with the the industry in terms of the the transactional side sure. the technology and um and and we have actually you know we have lost prospects to some of our limitations with technology. Mm-hmm. We don't have internal um, coders that mm-hmm. can do a very specialized report. Um, you know, so there's yep. there's a little give and take there. Um, yep. So that, I guess that goes back to there's space for everybody. Yeah, right, right. Uh, right. In right. the market. Yep. Um, yep. But uh, it, it, yeah, it's like what makes sense in the relationship. Yep. And I always remind everybody, we have 15% of the 10 to 100 <laughs> market. Right. There's right. 85% to go. Yeah. This so, is the 10 to 100 market, right? Before we bust through that. So it's, there's a lot out there. So, and, and it's actually, you know, looking back on 20 years ago, um, it, a more informed marketplace is nice. I mean, yes. that, that is better than, yeah, yeah. than it was. So yeah. Yeah. I would take now versus. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I want to ask you about your Napio experience. So, cause I've known you for a long time and just before you thought I knew you, you would come to meetings when you're working for Jim. And I always say that you're our poster child. My, you're my poster child for how someone learns the organization gets engaged, uh, maybe gets conscripted. And now you're on the board and you're the head of the, the state government affairs committee. And somebody said after the last call, they're like, man, Celeste is really good. Like she's just, you know, she, she alerts, she runs these meetings. She does such a great job. I always say that you ask Talmudic questions. So you ask me these questions. You have such a good heart you come from such a good place and you ask these questions that are incredibly thorny and they're so simple to ask. <laughs> I, I always have to call you. You're like, Oh, I see right. an email guy. No, I am an email guy, but I'd be typing three days. From yeah. Today. Well, that's, that's just it. I think I've texted you a few questions <laughs> and then the phone rings. <laughs> it's like, wow, this is a great question. And then an and, hour later. Yeah, this is gonna take some doing. So, but you know, again, it comes from such a good place. And so I just I love it. Um, and so yeah, talk about your Napio experience, right? You started, you know, working for Jim and you came to some of our conferences here and there. And um uh yeah, and 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 I remember uh during one of the discussions for during the board nomination process and that's when somebody said oh we need to start putting pictures on the board nomination process because you got nominated and people like no i don't know and then they saw the pictures of the nominees people like oh we've seen her we've seen her at the <laughs> yeah. conferences yes 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 she yeah. everything right it was good and that mattered I mean, it sounds funny but it yeah people yeah. would make the relation they make the connection you know so yeah so talk about Napio, right? You came yeah. as a, you know, working for Jim and you're on the board, you're the head of the state government affairs committee. So talk about that. Now, I don't mean yeah. to, to, to solicit a plug for win, but to me like that, you're the poster child, right? You're somebody like Lee was like, Hey, I know her. You kind of befriended Lee and she brought mm-hmm. you, but yeah, yeah, but, but talk about that. Yeah. And, and the first time I got nominated for the board, I didn't get it. Um, and that was one of the conversations we had is mm-hmm. you had said to not enough people know you yet. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, it, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and Napio has, from what I've seen, has grown and adapted so much in the last decade. I mean, so exciting to see. Thinking back to my experience of tagging along with Jim to the conference in DC, it is a completely, to me, a completely (laughs) different organization than it was um, years ago. It was, I thought it was intimidating and hard to Mm. get assimilated and get to form relationships. Um, Jim fit. Uh, a model uh, mm-hmm. being um, yeah. a 55 year old yep. male at the time yep. that owned the PEO. So he yep. was in the club. Yep. Uh, and it, you was, uh, it was a little, I found it hard to convey that I had credibility for mm-hmm. a while. Um, mm-hmm. And, and some of that I take full ownership of as well. Um, and so as as we kind of went along in the years, um, I would go to things here and there, but one of the 
intentions I had when purchasing the company was to be more involved in Napio. Um, so I had, so intention meant I had to, to make that a priority. And as we talked about, start showing up and start engaging, Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and being a little more brave in forming relationships and, uh, and it's paid off in uh, spades. I mean, it, you know, the, the network that I have now has been so, so incredibly beneficial as I've already referred to in this time we've chatted of just m- my group therapists that I have, <laughs> uh, at my fingertips, but, but also too, you know, so, um, starting on some committees and, um, and, and just spending more time sitting by people and some of the very best events are the smaller ones. Yeah. So going to Palo Alto where there's only 30 people uh, or 35 or 40, whatever the number I'm bad at group numbers um, or uh, the DC conference um, or a regional meeting. And uh, because the, the annual conference while big yeah. and full of content is a sea of people. Yeah. And so and maybe that is the little nugget to share with someone out there is try to find the smaller ones to start yeah. um, and get yourself on a committee yeah. and then a committee meets. And then pretty soon, you know, four or five people from the committee. And then, you know, it starts to build from there. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and it was, it's, it's, it's for some reason, at least I associate Lee, Lee Arborough with the kind of like, like owning Celeste. She's like, this is my relationship and I own it. I'm going to make sure yeah. he gets yeah. engaged and introduced yeah. around to everybody else. Cause yeah. it's, I talked to Lee about it. It's, it is walking into the high school cafeteria with your tray. Yeah. yeah. You know, and Lee is so good at, yeah making people feel welcome and just walking up and introducing herself. Wanda is the other one. Um, Those, those two have been in the industry such a long time um, and have, um, have just some really wonderful relationships and are so generous with, uh, with their connections and their time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I hope to, you know, I, I hope to do the same thing and welcome people. And I get very excited to see um, like the next gen mm-hmm. and um, and like Chris Cheney, you know, yeah. he's he fits right into that group. And that and we need we need next gen and we need those entrepreneurials. We need people to start PEOs. Um, yeah. Those little yeah. regional ones. I met someone at the annual conference. It was a lady from Omaha starting a PEO from scratch. Super cool. That's grit. That's yeah. grit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I, I, it's, I've said before that for me, uh, next gen was this altruistic effort. And for me, it was an altruistic because they're the people who are going to be paying our dues right. in five or 10 yeah. or 15 years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's been a huge hit. It's like when it's been been a huge hit. Yep. Win so too. what would be your advice? To uh to that to the the woman in in uh, Omaha to a new PEO someone new in the PEO space uh, either as an owner or like you starting to work in the HR space what would what's your advice I think um, a big piece of that is what actually we just talked about with kind of finding your people out there um, and having having that support system and resource 
and being good at business development. So I, that's, that's always been a little bit of a tricky one too. It's, it is hard to find good business development folks for PEO space because it's such a complex, multifaceted, conversationally, situationally dependent sale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Owners probably sell it in many ways the best mm-hmm. because you're talking owner to owner so often. Um, but building a business development team is 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 tough in this space. It's a long learning curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a lot of time to build that pipeline. Um, a lot of the client service delivery side and the fulfillment, you can find the experts, you can find HR experts, you can find payroll experts, you can get the technology. Uh, yeah. But that net, so that maybe it's two things, the, the networking in the industry and the relationships and then building out a, a solid business development plan. Interesting. Interesting. What uh, What's the outlook for the industry as far as you're concerned? My gosh, I think as long as we continue to have people uh, in the workforce and businesses hiring people, our need is not going to go away anytime soon. Yeah. Is do we have to be adaptive? Hundred percent. Our clients are they're they're struggling right now, attracting and retaining talent. The burnout thing, all the things that we talked about. That's a new another adaptation yeah. that we're. Facing, you know, during when COVID shut down, then it was, oh my gosh, these laws are coming out as as fast as we can think yeah. of them and and trying to support them and get them pushed out to our clients and keeping them compliant. Now it's managing, I think it's managing the team. Um, you know, the economy always factors in, yeah. but yeah. again, PEOs stick because I know. I know. Businesses, you know, unless all business closes up, yep. we're we're we have such a need. We're going to go see a client here right after this call, um, and it's just good. They've been a client for so long. We have so much to take to them today. It's our annual visit. Of they do their thing. They're property managers, um, and we we feel so good about how we support them. Mm-hmm. Um, we handled over sixty HR issues for them last year. Um, we handled nine work comp claims. Uh, we hired and termed over a hundred different people in their business, and that all allowed them to continue to do what they're doing. They're right. buying apartment buildings. Yeah. They're getting them filled. Uh, yeah. That's that's a good story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it feels good. It feels good. Okay. Yeah. So, last question: what What is something America doesn't know about Celeste Johnson? My husband has been a whitewater kayaker for years, so we have been a whitewater family. We have done many, many, many um, multi-day whitewater rafting trips. We've done the Grand Canyon, uh, pretty much all the rivers up and down the West Coast. I used to do it with three kids. Well, he did too. I can't believe we managed that. Like we would pack up three kids and a dog for a week and go push down a river. I mean, it's amazing that we survived. We're now morphing into, um, Travis said my husband's been taking sailing lessons uh, and we're we're thinking we're going to get off the river and now mm. get onto the ocean in a boat. But you know, I'm thinking maybe there's a metaphor here. You know, the sort of when you're <laughs> starting the business, you're whitewater rafting. Now the yeah. business is going yeah. go. It's up and running. Yeah. So now you're going to be quietly sailing across placid yeah. water. So maybe it's a metaphor for your life. You know, we have a saying between the two of us: um, when you're on the river. 
and you're facing a rapid, you can't think about the five more rapids coming up because you just, you, you kind of lose your, your ability to focus. So we have a saying between the two of us, it's one rapid at a time. <laughs> and that is uh, very applicable to business is, right. you know, we just, we keep getting uh hit from something. There's always a challenge and we just one rapid at a time. One rapid at a time. It's terrific. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would just close by saying uh, people don't know that uh, Celeste is known to me as Travis's wife. And right. so anybody who needs help uh, buying a Tesla, talk to Travis. If your kid is traveling to Nevada and gets stuck in the snow, call Travis. If you need sort of weather updates, advice for traveling right. around Tahoe, call Travis. He's yeah. sort of the go-to guy. It just is uh, on everything. Yeah, so, that's kind of true. Yeah, that, that, that's <laughs> it. So I just want to thank Celeste for, for the time today. This is so interesting. You, did, you didn't disappoint. And this is so fun. And I really do appreciate you uh, being one of the first ones uh, to be uh, part of the podcast. And uh, it's just great. It was great to talk to you today. Yeah. Thanks, Pat. Thanks. Thanks. 